Water Banter. Boom, and we are live with another episode of the Brown Water Banter Podcast. My name is Jared Seymour. My name is Joey Cates. That's right. Once again, coming to you uh, digital through the interwebs. We got another big guest that we pulled in here. Joey's been emailing back and forth. And uh, we always, uh, you know, if we can reach out through the interwebs and get one, that's what we're going to do. We got on the show this evening, Cuz Strickland from uh, Mossy Oak, maybe a brand you might have heard of if you're into the outdoors. I got a feeling that uh, that, that you've heard of it. And we're going to talk all about it this evening. But before we do, before we jump into it, we're going to thank the people that help us to do this show and keep the lights on. So right out of the gate, Dr. Robbie Williams over at Southern Magnolia Smiles, man. They are located right here on the Gulf Coast in Ocean Springs on Washington Avenue. 2024 is the year to smile more. So when you're ready to book that appointment with them, uh, you can look them up on uh, socials at Southern Magnolia Smiles on Facebook and Instagram. And you can give, book that appointment by giving them a call at 228 228- Two one five one two zero two. If you find yourself in need for legal representation for any reason, our buddy Tyler over at Taylor and Cox Law Firm—they are the guys to go to. Man, they specialize in felonies, misdemeanors, DUIs, family law, divorce, child custody. No one wants to find themselves in that boat, but if you do, you want someone that's going to fight tooth and nail for you. And Taylor and Cox Law Firm is the one that we recommend. So give them a shout, 228-696-0111. Rocky over at Sea to Swamp. He's got two locations on the Mississippi Gulf Coast now, Gaucher and Gulfport. He's got all your tackle and apparel needs covered. He's slinging kayaks. He's got extra tough boots. He's got uh, brown water gear, man. He's got a store full of cool stuff, rod, reels, tackles, everything. You name it, he's got it. Uh, You can give him a call at 228-205-3900. Six four, or go look him up on Facebook. See the number two and swamp. Check him out. Uh, we got Kendrick over at Forever Young Men and Women's Health. Uh, we've been talking about it for a while now. If you still can't get off the couch, we're in February, so you've already missed the New Year's uh, New Year's resolution. If you're feeling like a big turd, go down there, do some blood work with Kendrick Forever Young. Uh, maybe you're hormone deficient. Maybe you need testosterone replacement. Maybe it's a vitamin thing. We talked about it. He was on an episode of the show. He treats men and women, believe it or not. So get optimized, get back in the gym and take care of your health. Book an appointment with Forever Young at 228-363-6623 and tell them that we sent you. Uh, this year's host of the Bay Rat Bash and sponsor of the show is uh, a restaurant Dewey Dubugs, located right across the street from the Scarlet Pearl in Diaberville, specializing in boiled seafood, uh, and even they're going to have a seafood market in there. So if you haven't checked them out, look them up on Facebook, Dewey Dubugs. Um, we're glad to have them as a part of the show. And bringing up the rear here is uh, it's coming up in just a few weeks, the 2024 Biloxi Boat Show. This is going to be, I think, our third or fourth year there. It's a killer event, tons of vendors, all kind of boat manufacturers, all kind of products that have to deal with outdoors and on the water and some that don't some that are just cool uh it's at the mississippi gulf coast coliseum march 8th through the 10th um we're going to be set up with our boot there hanging out it's a it's it's a really good time go check them out they're on facebook as well biloxi boat show look them up go look at some of the uh videos that we've posted before while we were there a lot of cool stuff for the kids it's going to be a good time so y'all go check it out joey did you have enough time there buddy i'm good man let's rock and roll i'm excited all right, well, since you set this one up, why don't you take the lead? We're going to bring Cuz in and get this thing kicked off. 
Mr. Ronnie, how you doing? I'm doing. Hey, it's just cuz from this point forward. Now. Okay, yes, good. sir. Just cuz. How you guys doing? That's the question. Man, we're doing all right. Um, I'm, it's an honor to have you on the show. It really is to be talking to one of the one of the old school hunting legends for sure. <laughs> well, you need to raise your bars. All I can tell you, I, <laughs> I've been going down. A, I've been going down y'all's rabbit hole, and man, I saw a lot of fishing pictures and all that, and I said. I wonder if they think they got the right guy, but I, I'm, ass, I'm assuming I'm supposed to be here, so I appreciate you. Yes, sir. We, we do a lot of fishing. Uh, that's usually our bread and butter, but we have we got some uh, – we, we join into the hunting tr uh, thing every once in a while, so we figured if we're going to swing, we're going to swing for the fences. There you go. Yeah. Well, you know, them, uh, them two kind of go hand in hand. It's, that, uh, I, yeah, I don't think I've ever met somebody that, did, that liked one and didn't like the other, you know. Yeah, I, I love to fish. And I can I can tell you some stories. I learned early on that I wasn't going to be a good offshore guy. Back in the day when we were doing uh, television, we had a long run on TNN and ESPN and all that. Hunting the country was our flagship. And one of the sponsors was the Mississippi Department of Tourism. And I went down to Biloxi. We, we met down there, and they wanted me to help them shoot a commercial that fit inside the show. Of course, we had – hunting b-roll we didn't have a lot of fishing so i went out on this boat and they were going to catch whatever they were going to catch and i back then the cameras were giant and i was looking through that black and white viewfinder doing this and doing it and let me tell you something i've never been so sick seasick <laughs> my life. i was throwing up stuff i ate in the third grade i've never i've never been that sick and i was like this this offshore stuff ain't for me yeah when that yeah, bites you it ain't, a, it ain't a good time i've been bit with it more than once I'm, i hate to admit it but i i'd be lying if i didn't so Ooh, man it was tough but yeah i, I love Biloxi and the gulf coast love to eat all that stuff i just i, I ain't much of an offshore guy but like i say I, I learned that early on so yeah for sure well because tell us tell us a little bit how you got started because i know you got a, a long repertoire of sheets but tell us how you got started into the hunting and with mossy oak well my dad was a my dad was a 20-year army guy and he didn't he didn't hunt harley at all he was i tell people to this day he's not with us anymore but i said he was the best fisherman i ever knew that didn't have a boat of course we lived inland you know we were up here around natchez but we fished all up and down the levee uh, you go across the mississippi river into vidalia and head down the levee that's what they the proper terms the borrow pits because the corps engineer borrowed the dirt but we just called them the bar pits and uh of course back then uh, I, i'm gonna i'm gonna be aging myself big time but it was all mitchell 300s and oh and h's and stuff just slaying the fish so i literally was fished out by the time i was about 15 years old and about once a year, when I was little, we'd go out in the Homochitta National Forest. That's where I grew up hunting, Sandy Creek Wildlife Refuge. And uh, it just flew all over me. And I had an older brother. He, he kind of stuck with the fishing. I loved the hunting stuff. And uh, giving you the short version, I ended up working in a sporting goods store in Natchez, Mississippi, Rex, Rex Sporting Goods. Mm -hmm. And uh, rigging out bowls, selling guns and all that kind of stuff and uh, i got into turkey hunting a little bit late i always bow hunted and stuff like that but i started getting into turkey hunting and i was buying 
mouth calls from Will Primos, who at the time was building them himself out behind his house and putting them in like little sandwich bags. And st- it was way, way back. But they were called True Double Stat Calls, and I loved them. Well, one of my buddies came in one day, and he bought the first camcorder that I'd ever seen. It came into Sears and Roebuck. And uh, we immediately camouflaged that thing up. I said, we're going to, it was turkey season. And I started filming. I did, for some reason, that I just love that. We would go out and somebody would be hunting. I would film them. Of course, it would make you seasick. It wasn't great video, but right. I would send, I sent one of them VHS tapes to Will Primos because we were using his call. And he literally showed up one day at that sporting goods store with this giant production high dollar camera he bought from WLBT in Jackson, Mississippi. This thing was gigantic and uh, had a big cord that plugged into a K, uh, recording deck. It was so big and heavy. And he was like, man, I've been trying to do a video forever. You think you could film a turkey hunt with this thing that looked like a cedar chest? <laughs> well, let's see. And, I, you know, I kind of figured it out, and uh, we did the – I think the first year I did it, now listen to this, he, he was paying me $10 if I worked all day and six cents a mile. And uh, I kept a record. I kept a record to keep up with that mileage, you know. But it was uh, – and we, we got – I think I got 12 hunts, you know, pretty good hunts on video that year. And we, he came out and we went up to Jackson, a place called Image Works, to edit that thing together. And uh, we did the first, the truth about turkey hunting. And it, right. it turned into a cult movie. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Everybody that's turkey hunts has seen that. I don't care if you're a little kid or whatever. And nobody knew at the time it would have that kind of impact. Uh, I was working, like I said, I started with Will, but I was, he's in Jackson. I'm in Natchez. It's three hours apart. I couldn't keep it up. So I went back to the sporting goods store and Will and Toxie got together and he called Toxie said, Hey, you need to hire this guy. He, he needs to be on the team. So I went to work for Toxie months after he incorporated. And uh, my wife actually found them. <clears throat> they were at the, shot show i think that year it was in new orleans or somewhere and they had a tiny little booth downstairs wrapped in bottomland and she come she came and got me i was buying stuff for the sporting goods store and she said there's two guys down in the basement who have a camouflage pattern from mississippi i was like okay and i'm telling you i saw it from 100 feet away and went wow i could kill every turkey in the sandy creek wildlife with that And, and i went and wrote an order for it and uh ended up selling it's a funny thing now this is going way back but at the same time that was going on there was an aluminum shortage and that that year it was really hard to get aluminum arrows those old 2018s and 21 right well toxinum had a territory if you were one of their dealers you couldn't buy it if you were like within 100 miles or something so i was finding dealers who wanted mossy oak that couldn't buy it and swapping them mossy oak for aluminum arrows and just, man, I was rolling through some mossy oak. And he called me. He, he said, uh, you're selling more than me. You got <laughs> you to slow down. Huh? Yeah, that's the short version of how I ended up going from Primo's to mossy oak. It was all divine intervention. I'm telling you, it was crazy. 
Yeah, you brought up you brought up like the cult following, and it's it, the turkey hunters are like they're they're crazy. You have to be crazy to get about the sport to even get into hunting something that's smarter than you most of the time. Well, it's a big mystique about it, and it's that that part of it is so much fun. But it it is a cult, and if you want to know what it's like, you can come to the National Wild Turkey Federation convention just one time and and see the kids and the wives and all the turkey calling and all that and, and see what a, 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 I, I hate to use the term brotherhood because all my girls turkey hunting. Right. And uh, then you got people like Tom, mm. Tom Kelly, who wrote the 10th Legion. And I'm telling you right now, if you've never read a book in your life, I'm not a big reader. The only thing I read is menus, but I, <laughs> I read the 10th Legion cover to cover. Colonel Tom Kelly's from uh, down around Mobile, Spanish Fort. Mm -hmm. Read that book, The 10th Legion. You will understand why it's such a cult and you'll understand the rules and and uh, all that stuff. And yeah, you, you'll get people who will, who will bend the rules and pour a bag of corn out and all that. But if you if you do it like it was meant to be done, I'm telling you, I, I have been everywhere. I have filmed everything we, we, we did. At one time, we had five shows, and uh, we did Africa. We did all that stuff for Remington Country and the NRA and all that. I'm telling you, to me, still to this day, it's the greatest hunt on the planet if you go by the rules because they will humble you, especially the turkeys that we have to deal with. You know, there's four species. They'll tell you there's five or six. I only recognize four myself. Right. The, the one down in South America's. I think it's a peacock, but anyway. That, <laughs> Thunder <laughs> chicken. Yeah, it don't even go, it just clucks. But anyway, the, the Easterns, you know, they were they, they kind of made it through. They were almost extinct, but all up and down the Mississippi River, there were still little scattered pockets of them. So, you know, if the history goes way back. And I, I've read and, and researched and seen all the old calls and stuff like that. And, and the calling part, is the big mystique and people are always fascinated by somebody who calls real good. Right. And, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's, I'm telling you from an experience standpoint, that is a very small part of Turkey hunting. Now, great callers will make that. They'll want you to think otherwise, but you look at it like this. They have all these calling contests. The National Wild Turkey Federation has the Grand Nationals. We For years, we hosted one called the World Championships. Big, big money for that. And I'll give you an example. The guy that won it, there was a guy that won the World Championship back-to-back -back in 1991. His name was Larry Norton. Unbelievable turkey caller. But, and I'll tell you a story about him, but when you get out in the woods, you're just – a hen no matter how good you sound you're just a hen and they're everywhere so think about that for just a minute if you're not the best caller well i'm telling you if you catch him right and his window's open and the hens are in a certain place you can call one up with a coat bottle i don't you don't have to be <laughs> a world-class caller i'll give you a quick example if we got time i don't oh, know we've got all the time in the world I don't know how the work, but after Larry won his back-to-back, -back, his second championship, I wanted to get him on television. And it was late, late, late when I finally could nail him down. Matter of fact, it was the last day of turkey season in Mississippi. 
And uh, I said, well, I, I didn't have much hope. You know, you, the turkeys are just like deer. The more pressure you put on them in a spot, the more wary they become. But anyway, I said, I can interview him and make him yelp and call. So we were going. I had a place, <clears throat> and we pull up there that morning. I had one day with him. And uh, I'm telling you, best caller, you just can't imagine how good this guy was. I pull up to this gate, and it's plenty dark. And I'm, I get outside. He's in there pulling his little reeds apart and stuff. And I go to open this cattle gate, and it's pitch black. And I hear, pow, turkey's gobbling. And I'm like, now, if you're a hardcore turkey hunter, you, you can't help but grin then. I, yeah. I, I had to put my head in that on to hide my teeth. I was grinning. So that, it doesn't happen that often. This turkey gobbled every minute and a half or two minutes on its own down in this creek bottom. So I got back to the truck. I said, we're not, we're not driving down in here. Further. We're going to walk from here. And got there. had plenty of time, got down in there. It was it had rained the two days before. It was kind of dry, uh, wet, so we got in there. I thought really good and really quiet. And uh, I said, "Now look, the woods are just like this. Ain't nothing out in front of you. You sit where you want to sit." And he picked him out a tree, and I got back behind him, which I usually sit right next to the person. But it was uh, so open, I figured I'd be fine. Anyway, he was up there, and I leaned up, and I and uh, he he says, "Tell me when you have enough light." I said, okay, I'll let you know. And this turkey is still to this point, every minute, two minutes, three minutes, just screaming. <clears throat> ah. So if I, I tell him, okay, Larry, a few minutes pass. I said, I got enough light. Nothing. He, he just sits there. Psst, Larry, I got enough light. Never made a move. I took a stick, <clears throat> threw it and hit him in the back of the hat. And I said, hey, I'm ready. Never said a word. Wow. The turkey kept gobbling and gobbling. I mean, it's not a long time, but anyway, not shortly after I threw the stick down the down the woods about a hundred yards, I heard a hen fly down. Now she didn't do no machine gun cackle. She just clucked. Right. The turkey went straight to her. And that's the last sound he made. And I'm telling you right now, could be wrong, but I doubt it. If if Larry would have made any sound at all that turkey would have pitched down right there in front of him. But I said, dude, why didn't you, why didn't you say something? He says, I don't call to them while they're in the tree. And I said, really? That's just the way he learned. Yeah. You learn from them old timers. They'll tell you, you know, wait till they fly down. You yep two or three times on whatever you got and then put it up. But that's how it was. You couldn't get anybody to tell you anything. There wasn't YouTube and, you know, and Facebook, it was hard to get any knowledge, and that's how he learned to turkey hunt. Well, I learned packing that big, heavy camera around, and I'm getting paid to do this. I got to have some encounters, and I'm not going to go sit by a clover field for four hours. It it just ain't in me, and uh, that's when I learned about locating, and I, I, I do it with a tube call and everybody gets all bent out of shape about it because it's really loud and all that. I don't have it with me. We, we just got through deer hunting here. I, I, I'm not totally uh, flipped that switch yet, but uh, first tube call, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you about my thoughts on locating because it's a big deal. People argue about this and shake their head and all that, but first tube call was built by a guy named Alan Morgan in uh it, he called it a snuff can or something like that. But the first real one I saw was around Will Primos's neck. And I saw it. And I was working for him. I said, what is that? 
I said, tube calls. So what do you use for? He said, well, I can gobble on a little bit and blah, blah, blah. But I was looking at it going, man, that's, that looks cool. So I said, I'm going to get me one just because it looks cool. Hang yeah. on. Yeah. Well, I was trying, I was filming somewhere down. I think I was around Cinnabar, somewhere like that. And I'm watching these hens coming down in this pasture and this old cattle trail down there. And they're just kind of single file. Nowhere they were headed to this shady pond down there. And one of them stops. Just three or four notes. Out of just out of the blue. And when she did, down in the woods, two two turkeys gobbled. And I went, hmm. So I let them ease them down in there. And anyway. They kind of went way around on my right. So I was going to ease down there where they came from and then cut in the woods. When I got to that cattle trail about where she was, there was a rattlesnake laying in the mm. wood. I mean, she that thing was right in the trail. And I, I'm telling you, she walked up on that thing and it spooked her. And she, because she flew up in the air a couple of feet, pap, pap, pap. And I said, I'm going to learn how to do that. Yeah. And I learned how to do it on the tube call. And it's really, really loud and it's really sharp, but it's only two or three notes. But I'm telling you, you hear the term shot gobble. I'm going to, you know, that that's a big deal. We're going to go try to make one shot gobble. Well, they say that for a reason. And once you get humiliated in the morning and the turkey don't fly down and come right to your gun barrel, which happens most of the time, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, then you go through a lull. And I'm that's just nationwide. I don't care if you're in Texas or Tennessee. There's a lull after the fly down. That's because they're doing what they do. It gets pretty quiet. And if you can sit through that, then you know, 939, whatever, you're gonna start moving around trying to locate one and make him shot gobble. Well, I've I've been with everybody. Eddie Salter, Will Primos, Toxie Hayes, all of them, Dick Kirby. I've been with and they all have their own unbelievably calling talents and everybody hunts a little bit different, but here's how locating goes. I'll be with somebody carrying that big camera. They're going to pull up there and they'll say, I'm going to do something right here. Okay. Well, they'll, they'll owl hoot first, even if it's later in the morning. And then they may crow call, which is a great locator. Nothing. They're going to maybe get out, whatever, a peleated woodpecker or a hawk, and then they're going to get on their mouth call, but they're going to end up with the loudest thing they got. And to me, I always thought, you know, that that turkey, if he's out there, he's been listening to that since he flew down and most of the night. Subtle sounds, hawks out. So I said, I'm going to hit him with what I got right out of the gate to see if I can actually make him shot gobble. And I think it makes a big difference. I think you get up there and you start doing all that other stuff. It's, I picture him having a rubber band, and every time he gobbles, that rubber band loosens up, and then it starts tightening. So I, I always try to make him shot gobble. And if my my point for doing that is, number one, I needed to have encounters if I'm getting filmed and pay, getting paid to do this. Right. And uh, if I can hear him, give away some kind of location, then I can be really patient. I, I know he's there. I know he's going to be able to hear me. So I don't run through the woods cutting on my tube call or anything else. When I'm, you know, prospecting or cutting and running, I'll ease up to a spot and go, I'm going to call from here and I'll look around so I could sit right there. I could, I could sit over here. I kind of, it's a method to the madness, but if he gobbles, then my whole, my I, mindset changes. I am not 
going to go sit out and yelp in the woods for no reason. I, I got to have some kind of MRI, most recent information. Yeah. A track or something. So I'm big on making them gobble. And you can, I'll, I'll do, I've done a hundred thousand seminars and you'll be, I'll be talking about that. And some of them old timers will just be going, shaking their heads. Huh? Yeah. They, they, they don't believe that. But it's, you know, it's just, it's just a turkey. But I, I'm convinced that people, kind of walk by a lot of their turkeys they didn't know was there. That's that's fine. And just because you make him gobble don't mean he's coming because he's probably with hens because that's why he wasn't gobbling to begin with. Right. But at least you know he's there. At least you know he's there. You can sit there right. long enough to hear and uh, maybe, you know, ease around, get some terrain, and you got some MRI for the next day. But here's the deal. I, I wrote three books, mostly comedy. There's some good how-to in there, but it's called The Truth, The Whole Truth, and Nothing But The Truth. And one of the first chapters I wrote was called The Magic Number. And the magic number in turkey hunting is three. Once a person has killed three turkeys, you can't tell them nothing. <laughs> <laughs> They're professional by then. Uh, three is professional. That's the number. I've done a lot of research, and once they've killed three, that's it. And uh, I'm telling you that Turkeys are all individual. You know, I, I just did a, another podcast the other day, and a guy was trying to get me to explain the difference in uh, public land turkeys and private turkeys and what's the difference in a Rio and uh, Osceola and stuff like that. And I was like, man, if, if, if I knew all that stuff, if I could, like a deer, if I could find a deer that would talk to me, yeah. I could figure some stuff out until you, you find kill every one of them. <laughs> yeah. you if you find a turkey to talk to you, but it is absolutely the coolest hunt out there for a bunch of reasons. Got fishermen, you know, they spring's a big deal to the fishermen. They're out there. People that deer hunt and just deer hunt, they miss that. They uh, they uh, if they if they don't fish, and if you're in the woods in the springtime, it's pretty magical, especially in Mississippi. I as as scared as I am of snakes, I love being out in the spring. There's it's just a different look, a different smell, and it's 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 just the coolest hunt ever. Yeah, that spring hunt usually brings we we usually see more turkeys down here than we see deer on those spring hunts. Oh man, drop me a pen and send it to my phone. Come <laughs> down there. It's a uh, you know there's a. Uh, Turkey hunters are very passionate and, you know, the population has been down according to most people, especially it depends on where you're at. And I'm always getting my, my opinion on that. And I was like, look, there's a lot of reasons there may be fewer right now than it's just like the weather. You know, they're talking about climate change and all that. But if you go back to the start, we're, we're not even a, a pinhead on a line that's 10 miles long. Turkey's the same way that, the golden age for turkey hunting was probably like 78 to 90, somewhere in there. And there's a lot of reasons for that. That's when the National Wild Turkey Federation were, were in the midst or winding down on their trapping and relocating. And they were moving turkeys all around. And you got to understand now when you, you, you take turkeys and put them in a new area, the predators don't even know what they are. Mm -hmm. so they don't know they're a food source. They don't know they can rob those nests and eat those eggs. Right. Plus, back then, 
there was so many trappers and cause the, the money for hides was really good and nothing is harder on a turkey population than a nest raider, especially raccoons. And now yeah. not, not many people are trapping. And uh, I mean, I trap all, the, I trap hard on my little farm and it, it makes a difference, but that was kind of the golden age and we can get back to it. My point being any creature, I don't care if it's a fish or a turkey or a duck, or whatever, if it's legal to hunt it in the United States, it will never be on the endangered species because sportsmen and fishermen and trap, they're going to figure out what they need to do, even if they have to do it on their own. The, the hunting and fishing public, and, you know, because of Pittman Robertson and all that stuff, they, they've done the heavy lifting since day one and will continue to do it. You know, whatever it's a, a fish limit, they, hunting, people that hunt and fish will, they will self-inflict whatever they need to do on themselves to keep it at a good limit. So I don't, I don't preach about it and I don't get worried about it because I know we will figure it out. Uh, just my opinion anyway. Oh yeah. yeah was, go ahead. Jerry. No, that, that, that's uh, kind of mimics what happened with, I believe it was the lion uh was was having problem one of them big cat over there uh in like africa and the minute they started allowing like chartered hunts to to for people to fly over like in tourism and, and kill them it, they became protected because they were worth money they were more valuable and the, and the numbers went up versus when you know they weren't people didn't care about it <clears throat> you know everybody everybody that hunts and fishes should go read the pitman robertson act the wildlife restoration act <clears throat> and that money, you know, and it's been there for I don't know how many years, but it's an excise tax on all sporting good stuff, and it goes to whatever, uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, whatever. And they, we don't, we we do a terrible job of patting ourselves on the back or sticking our chest out. I, I I had a lady sitting by me one time. I was in the airport at Albuquerque. I think it was Albuquerque. We I, we'd been out there trying to film an elk hunt. I was already beat. I'm a chubby guy. I don't belong in the mountains. Anyway, <laughs> Not, I, no oxygen up there. I know. <laughs> but I had some mossy oak somewhere, some camo, and she leans over. I'm waiting to catch a plane to come home. And she said something about y'all been hunting. Yes, ma'am. Been chasing elk. Didn't have any luck, blah, blah, blah. Or she lit into me for seven, eight, nine minutes about how cruel it was, blah, blah, blah. And I was just nodding my head, you know, good old Mississippi boy. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. And when we got through, I said, hey, I understand. I said, how long have you, have you been vegan? Right. She <laughs> said, what? what she said, uh, I said, well, I'm assuming you're a vegetarian. She said, well, no, I'm not a vegetarian. I said, okay. <laughs> so it's okay to shoot a steer in the head with a wooden stake out of an air gun so you can go to McDonald's. But yeah. you don't want me chasing elk so I can have, you know, free range meat. And she said, well, that's different. Yeah. Well, you're not going to ever win that. And I said, look, if you're that worried about, you know, the hunting and stuff and you really love the wildlife, you should buy a hunting license because that's where all the money for uh, trapping and relocating and research comes from. And then she just turned and started reading her magazine. But here's, here's, here's my thoughts on it. You got, say it's 20 million people who hunt just – they're, that's just their life. There's 20 million of them. 
and you got 20 million that are adamantly opposed. Probably not that many nowadays. We got way bigger fish to fry. Yeah. There's 60 or 70 million, say, in the middle that don't have an opinion. Those are the people I always wanted to impress or not offend when we were making television. And we made a lot of television back in the day. I was like, all right, here's the goal. We want to entertain Joey and Jared. But if their wife is sitting on the couch, I don't ever at any point want her to have to turn her head. And uh, and that's not wimping out or anything. It's like we need to make it more interesting. And, uh, you know, you, you probably don't have as much issues with that in fishing, although I, I've seen some clips of people complaining about hooking them and all. And it's like, you know, common sense is a superpower. right? It's now. tough. It's tough. But uh, we, we do a bad job of beating our chest and saying, hey, we're the best, or we, we, we're the reason that, uh, like Ted Nugent said, this, is a, that this experiment we did in the United States with wildlife has never been done anywhere else, 1,000% successful, and we should talk about it more often. And, and hey, you guys are doing it. Hats off to y'all. But uh, I, I think in the, this day and age, we don't get as much anti-hunting sentiment as we used to. They've moved on to bigger and better, more woke issues. Right. right. But uh, I can remember, <clears throat> and I don't remember what year it was, but there was a year the the NRA did, they sponsored, and I was at the first one, first couple of them, they did the Great American Hunters Tour. And the first one, I think, was in Philly, if I'm not mistaken, Philadelphia. And Jim Zumbo was the elk guy speaking and Dick Idle, I don't know if you remember him. He's he he kind of helped found North American Whitetail magazine. Dick Idle was the deer guy. I was the turkey guy, and uh, which good luck following them two, you know, with big giant. Yeah, yeah but anyway, I was the turkey guy, and uh, I can remember pulling into this place. I don't remember what it was, but it was in Philadelphia, and the anti hunters were out in bunny suits and carrying signs and throwing paint. And it was like, holy cow, I'm coming from Mississippi saying this going, well, who raised you people? You know, it was crazy. I don't think you see that much anymore. Their, their issues are deeper and darker. And, but it, it's like, I, it's I get definitely a different world. It is a different yeah. world for sure. I get a little offended when I hear somebody talking bad about hunting and fishing. Cause you know, my, my deal is I don't care how you do it. I really don't. I don't care what your favorite is. As long as you are legal, if you buy a hunting license or a fishing license and you go by the rules, then we're on the same team. And uh, sometimes we're guilty about, oh, you shouldn't have shot that deer or that turkey was this or whatever. And I, I get a little aggravated at that. And at my age, I can say something. Back, yeah. back in the day, I wouldn't say anything, but I'm I'm pretty protective of the the hunting and fishing, you know. Rever- I, I I just I, I look out for them as much as I can. Well, you, you brought up that seventy percent, and all, I think all we had to do was bring them some fried speckled trout or a backstrap, and it would probably change that seventy percent real quick. Oh, let me tell you something. <clears throat> I, I wrote. You, you don't get me started talking about food. Speaking of which, the first Wendy's I ever saw was in Biloxi. And we were down there for something, and I, they had a sign up in the front window. They had a triple, and I walked in there and got. <laughs> the and I was like, only only in Mississippi, but anyway, I wrote this uh, a chapter in the book 
Just Bubba was the name of the chapter, but it was it was uh, comparing northern turkey hunters to southern turkey hunters, which I've been a lot. I've been with both a lot, and you know, a northern northern turkey hunters, it's it can be life and death to those guys. They have everything's their 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 turkey vest is ironed, every pocket's labeled. They got a plan B. They got 9,000 things in there and they got all the maps and they're dead serious about it. And, you know, I may go pick up Bubba back in the day and I have to wake him up. He's shaking his wife, <laughs> my boots. And it's a whole different thing. And it's funny like that. And some guy asked me, was I, I was doing a seminar somewhere. He said, were you actually making fun of people up in North? I said, no, I love those people up North. I love them all. And uh, he said, well, it sounded like he was making fun of him. I said, if I was making fun of him, it would have been about the food. It <laughs> that ain't no yeah. lie. It, yeah. it wouldn't have had nothing to do with turkey hunting. But, yeah. And, I, and I'm sorry. I am very prejudiced about that. I'll tell you, I was out in uh, Nebraska one time, and I took John Boy, I took Billy from John Boy and Billy, the big mm -hmm. show. He loved the turkey. And I made it my point to get him his grand slam, and we did. But we were we were out in Nebraska, and uh, of course turkey's a little bit easier to deal with out there. They they got their turkeys pretty quick. So that night, we having to be cooking, and his his best friends Kit Taylor, we call him Captain Kit. He's an offshore guy up there in North Carolina. He brought all kind of stuff. He he brought some uh, shrimp and soft shell crab and all that. And I'm making cheese grits, which is uh, my wife's recipe. I I. I Every time I post a picture of it, you get all this social media hate recipe. She, That's a delicacy. Grit is a delicacy. Anyway, it, the way she makes them, it takes hours, and it's all about the consistency. She finishes them in the oven. I mean, it, it is. It's oh, she, she, she doesn't rip a bag open and pour it in the pot. That's <laughs> it, an ordeal. And that's how I make them. And I made cheese grits up there for them Nebraska boys. And, and one of them tasted, and he went, I can't do it. I said, what? He said, I just can't do it. And he tried again. He said, he said, that's the only thing I've ever eaten worse than that was a boiled peanut. And I'm like, dude, yeah, you, he's you need to get out of Nebraska. Yeah, something's wrong, bad wrong with his taste buds. He's been looking a pine comb or something. Something's wrong yeah. all over the place. Bad wrong with that guy. Yeah. It's uh yeah, that whole northern southern thing. It's a funny deal because some of the best callers in the world have always been from Pennsylvania and New York. Uh, you know, uh Denny Govis and Paul Butsky and Dick Kirby, those guys, they were so good, but they were serious, serious about it. And uh Eddie, like Eddie Salter down there, he was a good contest guy, but when he got to going, he I mean, he 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 would just be cutting into and they had a a, a very mapped out routine and uh I, I love talking about that stuff and poking fun i, I went up to uh wisconsin wisconsin one time with the guys from ram trucks and uh we were hunting on public land which was tough but i wanted some of it and i wanted to make a show about it and they had caught some walleye and i'm telling you right now they ain't nothing wrong with some walleye i don't I, we don't have them down here but mm -hmm. like, i wish we did yeah and uh, the first night there, somebody had killed a deer, and they like they had a fish fryer out there, and they took some of the backstrap out and just kind of sliced it and some of that fish and literally just dropped it in the oil. 
and it was bland and all and I was like, Hey, y'all let me cook tomorrow night. Right. Some guy immediately piped up, Oh, you boys from down south think this I said, Hey, just let me cook. Yeah, let me try. Yeah. Yeah. So I, anyway, I got out there. First thing I did is I cut the other back straps out and kind of kind of thin. Got a, I didn't have I didn't have much to work with. I got a tin can, tenderized it, and I put it in cold water for a while just to soak some of that blood out. I went and found what I did, flour, salt, and pepper. Imagine that. Right, yeah. right. Same way with the fish, changed the oil and I fried them in different spots. And I'm telling you, them Yankee boys. I, I, I thought they were going to founder themselves. They ate more and no, not one person said, holy cow, that was good. But there wasn't, you couldn't have found a crumb on anybody's plate with a magnifying glass. So they ate the napkin, huh? They ate the napkin yeah. it was sitting on. Yeah. You know how it is. We, down here, we just, you know, it's, it's like my wife, she was born way up north in Northern Illinois somewhere, but, she got down here early now. Holy cow, man! She cooks, and her spice rack looks like, you know, I mean, it's just it's big, yeah. Out. And she knows exactly which ones to put. And uh, I guess you just get used to that. And right. It's a that's 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 a pretty big difference in uh, north and south. The turkeys are a little different, and uh, you know, there's four species. You can go into where there's five or six. They, right. you know, there's the, the Osceola, the true Osceola south of Lake Okeechobee. And it's it's the toughest one for a couple of reasons. Number one, geographically, it's hard to find a place to get to hunt. There's a few outfitters down there now that get stupid money for you to get your, if you're Osceola, that's what you want for your Grand Slam. Then the Easterns, you can kind of say east of the Mississippi River, Rio's, Texas, Oklahoma, certain parts. Uh, Nebraska kind of starts the Miriams, but there's a place I go in central Nebraska that has both. It's called the Roos Lodge. And that's why so many people go there. You can see both turkeys. And then from there west is all the Miriams. And there's one in Mexico called the Ghouls. And then they have that turkey in South America. But to me, it's the, it's, it's the four big ones. Right. And I'm asked all the time, which is the toughest and which is the easiest and all that. And back in the day, anything out of the, the Easterns was, was easier, except the Osceolas. The Florida turkeys can be really tough because there's so many more predators down there. Why I think they just, they're notorious for not saying much. And swamp birds. Yeah. It's tough, tough. Been down there. Uh, all Easterns can be tough. It's a, it's a result of hunting pressure and, all kind of stuff. Back yeah. in the day, the Rios were fairly easy. When I first started going to Texas, which was, holy cow, 40 years ago or something, it, it was pretty insane how, how many turkeys were out there. Nobody was going out there then. And the reason they did so good in Texas, especially in the middle kind of hill country, was that was uh, big sheep ranches, not cattle. That was a bunch of sheep ranches out there. And those old those old guys there, they didn't play with predators. They if they saw a predator, they killed it and they trapped, and the turkeys just went nuts. Right. Like with the Miriams, not many people were hunting them. Uh, Miriams have a little more of a barnyardy gobble, and and them and the reels will come way further to you than I than ours ever would think about. And there's no absolutes, but 
those four are very special. I, I still love going to chase them. I'll, I'll be in Nebraska in the middle of May this year if I'm able to get up and down those sand hills out there. But it's uh, it's very special. When you get addicted, uh, it, it gets pretty addictive. And uh, we've got so much more equipment now, and it's it's yeah. all it's all good stuff. And I don't have any problem with the commerce part of that. We've kind of been able to. Toxi and Will Primos and I, we kind of got to see the whole sporting goods hunting industry come evolve. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't one. It just wasn't. And now when you see the special guns and chokes and ammo and decoys on wheels and stuff like that, you kind of got to nod your head and go, well, is that too much? But, you know, this is America. I, I don't, I'm pretty sure Henry Ford didn't imagine – a $600,000 monster truck going down the road and he rolled that my layout, but it's just kind of, it's just kind of what we do. Yeah. What about on the, uh, on the video side of things, you mentioned putting that first video out that kind of became a cult classic. What was, what was the distribution of that video like back then compared to, you know, how things are nowadays? It was it, unbelievably hard. I bet yeah. we, uh, when we first, first off back then editing, it was, uh, it wasn't linear editing like you guys do. And we do now where you got a, a laptop and you're sliding stuff. Back then you started with a stack of three quarter inch tapes and you had one master tape over this machine and you got that scene where it wanted to be. And then it went to the three quarter inch tape and you just added down the line. And if you made a mistake, you started over. Oh, and, God so time consuming but i can remember will we uh and how we came up with the name he was sitting there and we were kind of getting close to the end of it and uh and it's amazing to me i can go back and watch that video today and that was in 84 or 5 whenever it was it's like you know that that wasn't a bad video it was pretty entertaining but uh he found somebody who was selling videos to the rental stores that was, you know, I, you guys aren't old enough to remember, probably, but oh no, we, we remember. Uh, video rental stores were like nail salons, they were. Oh, yeah. I can still remember the first one I had in Natchez. I can remember my number, it was 383. You had to have a number, yeah. <laughs> Will, every, yeah, Will, every Friday night, you run in there and your mom and dad would get a movie and you got a, yep. a video game or a Nintendo game That's and walk it. out. Will found a guy who was selling to those stores, specialty stuff, not out of Hollywood. Movie. And uh, once uh, once people started putting a little hunt, there wasn't many videos. The Winsels had one out, Gene and Barry Winsel called Bow Hunting October Whitetails, which was about the most cool thing I had ever seen. And this and the truth came out about the same time. But the people where they put that tape in, well, if they put it in their video store and Will Smart off to, I think, make a little poster and it, they immediately started calling. If they bought two, they wanted 10. If they bought five, they wanted 20. It was just stayed rented out. Yeah. And, uh, boom. I mean, it just happened and it happened quick. And it started in that rental market. Pretty soon it was DVDs and he could sell those himself. And he sold quite a few VHSs. But I can tell you now, soon as he got it going, I don't remember what the first run on the t the tapes were. It wasn't many because no, nobody knew if they were going to buy them. And when they redid it, 
the original video says the truth about spring turkey hunting. And when they redid it, they changed the cover and it says the truth won because he had already had plans to come out with the truth. Too. If you got a, a video with that original tape in it, it just says the truth. You need to go to eBay and throw it up there. You'd be a millionaire, huh? It's crazy how much people are paying for that kind of stuff. Old vintage mossy oak. What it's what what's the best that's selling for like ten thousand dollars these days? Oh, way more than that. We yeah. Did, we did a uh one run to honor Toxie's dad, Mr. Fox, who was uh he was kind of our original CFO and all that. He's a he's a celebrity unto himself. But we did years ago, we had a guy that worked for us named Bob Dixon. He passed away way too young. God rest his soul. And we had, uh, he was helping kind of design what we ended up calling the Dixon vest. Mm -hmm. What a vest out there then. But anyway, we did a special run. And I think it was, uh, I don't know, I don't know what the number was, something. And it was a numbered edition. It was number one through whatever. Of course, Toxie got number one and all that. And it was a big hit. And when they were gone, they were gone. Everybody, I got one. I, I've been offered stupid money for mine. It's like I number, bet. It's, it's numbers, whatever, 17 or 16 or something like that. But uh, we thought we'd do it with And this was Toxie's boys who came up with this idea. He has twin boys, Neil and Daniel. They both work for the company now. And they did a fox vest. And they went to... 10 different call makers, old school call makers, and had this guy do the box, this guy do the slate and all that. And we bought however many, 1986, whatever the number was. And each vest had all that stuff in it. And uh, so uh, we were going to kind of save them for a thing, but they ended up taking, I think, 400 last year to the NWTF show. That's where we rolled it out. This is a one-shot deal for the Fox edition vest. The show started Thursday morning at nine o'clock and I got a call Wednesday afternoon about, I don't know when it was, people were already lining up literally the day before to get, cause you know, we only had 400 and you get to the booth, you get your number and then we you get your, I've never seen anything. It goes back to like being the cult. It, it's crazy. Yeah. Everybody wanted that vest. I got I got one. Toxy saved me one, and I just left it in the box and put it up on the shelf. There's no way. I You're sitting on a gold mine. It's crazy. It's, they are so passionate. Turkey hunters are so passionate about that stuff. And it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of, again, one, one thing about turkey hunting is anybody, even if they don't hunt, they can, if they really want to get into it, and there's a lot of people like that. I'm telling you, you got people that live close to you and y'all drive by in that truck and they see you pulling that boat or throwing that camel and they go, man, I wish I could do that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of them out there. But uh, I had, <clears throat> and I, I, I've learned this the hard way. I have a podcast that's just really done great. I am why I have no idea. But I was at the NWTF show last year, and this little and there's a long line. People want you to sign their hat, maybe toxic there. It's a long line. And I see this little kid back there. He's nine or ten. And he comes up and he looks up at me. He said, Mr. Cuz, I love your podcast. And I'm like, Really? <laughs> he said, Yeah. I said, Well, what do you like about it? He said, I love them hunting stories. I ain't got any. Uh no, we got to change that. <laughs> yeah. 
and it uh, it shakes me up to this day. But I sat him down and talked to him for a long time, and it's like we are so blessed to do what we do. And there's so many people out there. And the only way you can change that <clears throat> is to take somebody. And people are always, well, yeah, I took this kid and I took that kid and I've done it too thousands of times. But if you really want to make an impact, you take a grown up who has a kid. Cause if you get them hooked on it, guess what? He's got a driver's license. Right. He, can go, he can go back and he can take a You get a kid fired up and nobody in his house is doing it. He's going to be more miserable than ever. And, uh, <laughs> he was shooting every bird in the backyard. Uh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you hear people, oh, we got enough turkey hunters. We got enough fishermen. We don't need out. No, keep up with the numbers, you know, and as time marches on, we people are hungry for that. And I, I think part of that is due to COVID. You know, so many people realize when they got locked down, Man, I don't, I don't know how to do nothing. Yeah, it was a little piece of heaven for us out here on this farm. Shut that here. Man, we well, were ready to rock. You know, yeah. I got a pond down there, and we were just having a big time. But not, not everybody's that lucky. And we, we, me and Jared spent about most of our time on Deer Island. We, we was on the boat fishing and sit on the island. It was, it was a vacation for us. We yeah. loaded up the families and said, "Hell, there ain't nothing." You know, this ain't is no COVID good. on the islands. Yeah, we, I ain't mad at this. Let's go. Yeah, that's right. It, country boy can survive, and it was that's right for us. It was a minor inconvenience, and you know, and I don't want to go down the COVID rabbit hole. Holy right. oh, Lord, I yeah, down, I could be down there for hours, but I think it woke a lot of people up. You know, we have one of the branches of Mossy Oaks, Mossy Oak Properties, and, and that's that's kind of Toxie's. I, I say he puts his thumb and his suspenders over that one. It's done so well. And uh, and during COVID, man, you're talking about an uptick, people looking for a piece of property. Now, it may not be a 1,000 acres or 600 acres. It could have been 10 acres or 20 or 5 or whatever. People realize, man, I, I need a spot. I need somewhere mm -hmm. I can get to away from this neighbor. And that that's good for all of us as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> well, you brought up the NWTF. That's in Nashville, right? Big show in Nashville. Big show is Nashville, uh, January, uh, February the fifteenth, sixteenth, and seventeenth next week. Yeah, that's that's kicking off turkey season, right? Well, yeah, the first turkey season opens in South Florida, right? Okay. South, kind of south of Lake Okeechobee, and for fifteen years I've been going there for the same reason we did a, a wounded vets hunt down there south of Lake Okeechobee. It's, it's kind of co-sponsored by the Florida cattlemen's association and these aren't outfitters these aren't hunting lodges it's just these people putting up their land hey you let them wounded vets they can hunt all they want to we've been doing it forever and uh it's so much fun down there to number one be around that kind of person it'll it'll change the way you think about hunting and all that kind of stuff and we generally get to do a lot of fishing during that event but it's a uh, yeah, that, that'll be Saturday, March the 2nd, and that's the first season. It used to open that same Saturday in the southern part of South Carolina. And then after the that first Saturday in March, there's a, a good many southern states will have the U season. That'll be around the 8th of March. But the 15th kind of in the southeast is when it opens Florida, Mississippi, and probably Alabama. Tennessee's later now. Some reason Tennessee don't open until April the fifteenth. There, uh, I don't know what they're thinking is on that, but 
Yeah, March the second. So my my clock's ticking. When I leave the NWTF, I won't have it about ten days, and I'll be I'll be yapping at turkeys down there. But yeah, taking those wounded vets, it's uh it's pretty special because you man, you see what they go through, and about eighty percent of them will be in wheelchairs and uh, building blinds and seeing what they go through. And the first, I think the first or second one I did, I was just, I was so humbled. We had killed some turkeys, which was nothing but a gift from God. And I went to another big event. Some guy was complaining about something, uh, you know, the mosquitoes or the wind was blowing too much, whatever. And I'm looking Welcome at Welcome to turkey hunting. <laughs> I'm going, dude, I just spent 10 days with, 10 guys who didn't have any legs. Right. You were complaining they, about mosquitoes. They didn't complain about one thing. It, it'll change you. And, uh, but that's, uh, that's a pretty humbling and cool thing to do. And, uh, it's, it's, it's been my kickoff. Matter of fact, I was down there when COVID hit, my wife was calling me, are you watching the news? I went, no, I, I ain't, I ain't watching anything down here, but the sunset. And, uh, I was scared to death. I was going to get stuck down there. And I got to thinking about it as well. I could be in worse spots, you know, if I'm going to get stuck somewhere, but I made it home and we just, we, uh, we, uh, we stuck out here on the farm. Yeah. We, uh, we, we partner up with a, uh, uh, or a veteran organization with our fishing tournaments as well to take veterans, um, fishing and we allow them free entry in our tournaments as well. I think it's a great cause. I mean, they don't get the, support that they need as you speak of the news i saw on fox the other day that i think that the state of new york or city of new york spending more money on migrants right now than they are to support veterans affairs uh which is make your stomach turn you know what i mean yeah yeah hey don't don't get me going i, I yeah. try to be, you know i represent mossy oak so i kind of have to be real but it's like golly we spend so much time around these and i know look I, I get bombarded. I got a pretty big social media platform for an old guy. I'm just telling you. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I have a YouTube channel. I don't put a lot on it. TikTok. Don't tell nobody I got a TikTok. But anyway, <laughs> I'll start posting pictures about, hey, getting ready to go to the, the wounded vet hunt every year. I'm going to try to do a Facebook Live open the morning down there this year. But I get bombarded with people like, can I send them something? Can I send some money? Can I come cook? Can can I come wash truck? I'm telling you, they're they're still the vast majority of people in this country are solid gold, just like you guys and all. Oh, I believe people. that you just you just don't they they don't get airtime, right? But, but I know what's out there. You know what's out there, and uh, it's uh. It's humbling, but it's also very rewarding when you start getting 600 p.m. saying, "What can I do? Anything? Can I send right. that kind of stuff?" So, it's yeah. uh, there. There are no better people in the world than the hunting and fishing, outdoors, shooting, trapping. I'm telling you, I put I put them those people up against anybody. 100. percent Well, you brought up your podcast. You're sitting on a podcast right now. T- tell us a little bit about what y'all do on y'all's fistful of yeah. dirt, right? Yeah, the, the, my youngest daughter, her name's Lauren. I call her Laureen. Everybody thinks her name's Laureen now, but she came to me about three years ago, and we had done so much stuff. She used to edit a lot of the Hunt in the Country. She's pretty creative. And, uh, she said, Pop, you need a podcast. I'm like, what's a podcast? <laughs> I, I honestly didn't know. She explained it to me, and I went and listened to a bunch of them. 
and I, I come back to us and I didn't like any of that. There weren't many. I'm telling you, there. if you know how to track them, and now, now there's gazillions of them, but back then there weren't many. So I said, here, she said, well, you just got to try it. So we, uh, I said, here's, here's going to be my format. I said, I'm going to pick people that are interesting and I'm going to send them questions ahead of time. That does two things. It, first off, it lets the guests know you went down a few rabbit holes to figure out who they are and what they do. Mm-hmm. And it always spurs better questions from them. And I said, I'm going to ask them questions and let them talk. Now, Hadn't had a ton of celebrities. I did early on. I got Ted Nugent because nobody has more social media than Ted Nugent. <laughs> yeah, you hit the mount. You you hit the yeah. top of the mountain first sight. <laughs> he, uh, he was our, I think, our first guest. Maybe we were, we were out here, and my youngest daughter, Lauren, she was figuring all the equipment out and how to download and do all this stuff. And she kept telling me, "Now we need to go ahead and do one of these." So I, I would just, I called him on his cell phone. I told him what was going on. He, I said, would you, would you be our first guest? He said, yeah, when you want to. And I said, when you want to do it? He said, call me back in 10 minutes. <laughs> so I called Lauren. I said, we're fixing to roll up a podcast with Ted Nugent. And she panicked. Oh, yeah. And of course, I did him over the phone. It was great. And I did uh, Hank Parker. And, you know, I did uh, Kevin Van Dam one time, who's one of the mm. nicest people on the planet. But by far and away, ours are just people that I know have a great story. And I tell people all the time, I don't care how famous you are or rich or whatever, everybody's got a story. Right. You, you just got to dig it out of them. And people people love to hear that. And uh, I have found, she told me from the get-go, the quality's got to be good. I wanted to keep it G-rated. Uh, family friendly because I know so many young hunting and fishing people are listening to it going down the road. And uh, I had a lady come up to me. I spoke somewhere a couple of months ago and she came up and she had three boys. They looked like they were 14 and 12 and 10, just stair steps. And she said, uh, she said, I put your podcast on all their phones. I went, really? She said, yeah, they love some hunting and fishing, but I don't have to monitor yours. And I went, mm, right. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Of course, of course, I'm an old guy, old school and all that. And uh, for some reason, it is uh, it has hit a nerve and it's uh, it's doing unbelievably well. It's uh, it ranks up there real high every week and downloads. And now the category that we're in, you too, is wilderness. If you if you keep up with it, that's anybody hunting. Wilderness has hunting, fishing, hiking, biking, boating. Anything outside is in wilderness. And we're always ranked up real high. Nobody beats Stephen Ranella, the the meat eater. He's number one. Yeah. Every, of course, he's been anointed by Joe Rogan. And right. We we can't compete with that. That's cheating. It's cheating. Yeah. It's cheating. It's cheating. Hard hard to beat twenty six million subscribers, but that's right. Yeah. You know, it's uh it's been fun, and I've learned so much from the comments because I can. People send a lot of comments and I'll take, cause you know, of course we're big time empty nesters. Although my grandkids are right down the road, but I, I, I take pleasure in reading comments from everyday people, especially on Facebook. And that uh, if they send something into the podcast and I'll answer them from time to time, a lot of them. And that freaks them out a little bit. Hey, cuz, cuz just answer my podcast and I, or my, my message. But I'm telling you, you can keep your finger on the pulse of what is, what people are thinking and people, 
people are smart. And uh, if you if you go down the road of trying to sell them something in the form of other than a commercial, everybody has commercials. But if you start talking on your show about, man, I wouldn't have got him if it wasn't been for this bow and that tree standing. Right. They will, yep. cut, they will cut you off. And uh, we don't have to do any of that. The podcast belongs technically to Mossy Oak Properties. They, they're the ones that rolled it out with me. And uh, we don't we don't do commercials. And uh, I think people, I'm convinced people like to be entertained. Yeah. They like some good sound advice and they love to be entertained. And that ain't that ain't rocket science. That's what you guys are doing right now. You're entertaining people. Yeah. That's what you're trying to. That's what we're trying yeah, to do. We're trying to do for sure. We all try to do that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. but it's, it's it's a little bit different nowadays, right? With the with the way you can just upload something and boom, it's out there on the internet. And you, like you said, you can get instant feedback to what the people are doing versus, you know, I mean, definitely versus 15, 20 years ago for sure. Oh, it's it's unbelievable. It, I, I it staggers. You know, back in the day, we were on TNN, the National Network. That was a big deal. All they had was hunting and fishing, rodeo, NASCAR, country music. Mm -hmm. And we used to, we in our peak, we would air Sunday nights at 7 o'clock. And I would get a true Nielsen ratings. I would get them on that whole block on Tuesday on the fax machine. And <laughs> I, can, I can literally reach as many people on my phone mm -hmm. sitting on the couch as we were paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for back in the day. And I don't know if, if you didn't go through that, you, you, everybody's kind of numb to the social media. It still blows my mind. Cause I, I, I watched Toxie write those checks to buy the airtime and you talking about a roll of the dice and he just did it over and over again. And now social media is like, bam, I yeah, thought you, I threw up a video on Facebook last night of these two turkeys gobbling, and I, I knew what they they gobbled at a woodpecker, but you could barely hear it. And I said, and I put it up there. I said, "What do these turkeys gobble at?" And just put it up there. It's like thirty seconds, thirty four seconds, and it's had like two hundred and sixty five thousand views, and people are all calm. Yeah, and it just happened. Just yeah. Just, but uh, people love interacting. I tell people all the time. They want to know how to get in the business, how to do marketing. You know, I said, look, people want to be in the club. It don't matter if they're famous. I don't care if he's won a calling contest or a fishing contest or a whatever. They want to be in the club. You got to let them in the club. And uh, that that's pretty easy. Just let them in the club, you know, and, yeah. and talk to them about that kind of stuff and be honest with them. And it's fun. I think people are looking for that. Yeah. It, it's weird on our neck of the woods, and I'm sure, I mean, you're, you're up north, but it's like people want to see stuff they're not used to. So, like, our biggest videos are bull and shrimp or bull and crawfish or bull and crabs. And you see those two turkeys sounding off. It's like it sparks something crazy in people. They, uh, yeah, food, dogs, little kids. Yeah. <laughs> my, uh, my youngest grandson, his name's Ben, a.k.a. Cranky. And he's been on so many of my videos. He is the coolest little kid ever. He was one of them rare kids who would talk whether the camera's running or not. And I will guarantee you he, he's got more fans than I do. I can't take him anywhere. And it uh, goes back to that deal that pe people want to be entertained. And uh, I took him to the NWTF every year. I took him last year, and he was signing autographs in every booth he went around to. And, and he was like, 
Pop, I don't know. I, I can't do this anymore. I said, look, <laughs> that notoriety comes with a responsibility. And, you know, people recognize you and they, if they've been watching, especially me, I, you know, and I, I never was on TV a lot. I was always behind the camera, but from the Primo's videos and the ads and all that stuff, people feel like they know me. And if some guy comes up to me tomorrow in Walmart and are you cut? Yeah, I'm fitting to have a conversation. Right. If it's important to him, it's important to me. And, uh, that, that ain't a, that ain't a lot to ask, you know, and it's, I guess a lot of it's how you were raised, treat people with respect. And uh, yeah, it seems like that's, uh, going out of fashion or something nowadays for but but like you said i think that's just what is projected i don't know that that's necessarily the case you know what i mean yeah it's a it's a it's a weird world we live in I'm, and it's different and and sometimes i get a little aggravated on how uh you know young younger people communicate and all that but you and i was venting about that to taxi one day he said because you gotta remember they're they're communicating with somebody their own age that's how they roll yeah. Calm down, and he's right. And social media, it ain't going anywhere. No, nope. and you can have. There's not many people my age that do it a lot. And here's the reason I kept doing it. I, I got into it. I, you know, I might have had a an Instagram just so I could look at. It, but I was we, me and my granddaughter. I, I'm fixing to tell you how old I am. She's now a junior at Mississippi State. But when she was about twelve, we were catfishing. And uh, we we caught eight or ten, two or three pounds. I mean, we was doing good. And she was scrolling on that phone. And I said, Avery, you spend too much time on that phone. And she said, Pop, if you're not on Instagram, you're not relevant. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And she, she wasn't like, you know, putting me down. But I told my wife that night, I, I told her what I said. I said, you know what? I'm going to be relevant to my grandma. <laughs> So I dove in and I kind of did my own little experiments along the way about, and it was easy to tell, especially in some of the outdoor stuff that people were just posting. And I won't say they were bragging, but it's like they were just showing this or that and this and that. And I started putting little tips and good pictures and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, I ended up with a, a pretty big following all of a sudden, you know, especially on Facebook. And I got a pretty big Instagram. And like I say, and then a TikTok. And my TikToks aren't normal TikToks. I'll, I'll actually edit a one-minute video with some good music mm. and show, you know, like the one I put up yesterday of the turkeys guy. So I'm not like a TikTok sensation, but I, I got a lot of followers. And if, you, if you'll if you follow that a little bit and you have to delete, there's a button on there where you can hit it so it's not interested to get all the garbage and porno and stuff out of there. But yeah. now my following is pretty good. You know, and I get a lot of comments there and it's like, it's, it's not, it's got a, it's got a good place. It's just all in how you use it. And, uh, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's, it's still pretty fascinating, but I don't, I don't mind telling people, yeah, I got a Facebook, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Like you said, it's how you use it. I mean, you can, it can be as bad as you want it to be, or it can just be, hunting and fishing you know what i mean there's a lot of bad stuff that goes on on facebook or there's people out there that's just trying to keep up with their grandbabies and children that live across the u.s or something you know it's it, you can it, like i say, i say i got a lot i'm not like famous or nothing on that stuff uh you're pretty you know, close like, yeah well some, <laughs> some people have a million followers and i don't boost them i don't right. boost any posts i don't go try to buy anything like that 
and this is this will humble you. And I got some great hunting pictures. I got old people love old photos and talking about mm -hmm. them. My on my Instagram, the most viewed post I ever threw up was a picture of me and Coach Mike Leach from Mississippi State. Mm -hmm. I took him turkey hunting and just kind of did a selfie. And that to this day is the most like watched or looked at post I ever did, which tells you how big sports is. Yeah. Right? Compared to what we do, it's easy yeah. to stay home. Yeah. Just uh, think if you'd have brought Taylor Swift on, how many likes you'd have had. <laughs> ain't happening. I don't think, I don't think we, I don't think we have much to talk about. We, yeah. we certainly wouldn't have much in common. I'm pretty, uh, at my age, my circle getting shorter and smaller. Yeah. Because I, I may say something and offend somebody and not even know it, you know. Yeah. You, you just never know. You know, yep. you think everybody's uh, like-minded and they're not. And I'm not too worried about offending people. But like I say, common sense now is a superpower. And uh, it's uh, it's getting more rare by the day. You're yeah. right. Sure. Because we, I, uh, I dropped the the link to your Facebook page uh, in the comments here down below, uh, and I know I think there's a link to your podcast that's on your Facebook page. Is that correct too? If people want to go and check that out, yeah, yeah it's called a fistful of dirt. It's pretty easy to find, and uh, you can scroll down through there. We've had some pretty interesting. <clears throat> we cover the gamut too. Now it'll gain a lot of momentum during turkey season. Uh -huh. There's a lot of turkey hunters that follow me in the podcast and all that, but we we cover the gamut. You know, we do fishing, and I had Dieter Melhorn one. That was a good one talking about catching catfish from the bank. Uh, you, you just gotta, you know, not everybody has a big big boat and can go down the river channel. And we did a two part series on catching catfish from the bank, and I loved it because yeah. I I love doing that. You know, that's I'm not I love the fish when they're biting and uh, I, I I want people to tell me how to make them bite. You know? <laughs> yeah. We, we cover everything. I had a lady on there, a black lady from Mississippi state. And we did a thing on canning vegetables and putting up. And I'm telling you, it was one of the most downloaded things we did. She was so good at it. And uh, so it's, uh, it's just good content. Not everybody, you know, it's not for everybody, but it's some, if you're if you're a country person and you like to eat good and you hunting fish, it's something on there. Check it out, huh? That's yeah. it. Yeah, there's yeah. a high percentage of those people I believe that live in this state. So uh, yeah. you're, you're at least good in, in these borders. Absolutely. I'm, yeah. God bless Mississippi. I, I I tell people all the time, we get a bad rap. I'm telling you, when we had TV shows on TNN, the second or third year, we were the highest rated show. Now this ain't counting NASCAR. But on Sunday nights and stuff, hunting the country was it. Number one, we, we bounced around. That was crazy. And I went up there to Gaylord Entertainment and all that at this big producer's meeting. And nobody knew who I was. And uh, they found out you were from Mississippi. And I felt like they were staring at my feet to see if I had shoes on the whole time. Where's your horse at, huh? Yeah. I, I've always kind of stuck my chest out about that because uh, – Everything we did on the TV show was I, I got my first edit guy over at Mississippi State out of the production school. We we bought all the equipment. We did everything in in-house, in state. And all of a sudden, we're, you know, we're we're out rating all these big fancy shows that were, you know, done in California and all that. So 
I'm a I'm a pretty proud Mississippian, to be honest with you. Born and raised. right there with you. I, I know believe. you are. I yeah. went I went I went and checked you boys out when I got the email. I've been I've been binge listening a little bit, and I was like, yeah, yeah. we appreciate yeah. that. Our buddy, you speaking of good food, our buddy Rush Jones here from uh, Smoky Ribs uh, YouTube channel, Smoky Ribs Barbecue, man, he does all kind of cool videos. He's been doing it for a while, and he's got a, a big following on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, he wants to know what part of Mississippi uh, you're from. I'm originally from Natchez, which is in the kind of the southwest corner, mm-hmm. and right on the Mississippi River, you know, 30 – 30 miles down there to Woodville, there's a Louisiana line. So, and my brother left town. He, he lived in, uh, down there in Lake Charles and all that. So he, he, he was down there for 12 years. So when he came back, he was a chef. I mean, so we know about eating food and all that. And I was blessed to have a mom and a wife that can cook, you know, just like lights out, biscuits, cornbread, red beans, all that kind of stuff. And that's why the older I get, the less I travel. And uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, you get you get too far north, and uh, you'd be ready yeah. to come back home. Turn right mm-hmm. back around. Huh? That's, That's it. it. That's it. Because man, we appreciate. I knew this was going to be a good conversation. Yeah, Jerry, it was an honor. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I appreciate y'all having me. Anything I can do to help? I'm like I say, I'm. We're all on Team Mississippi and Team Hunting and Fishing and Trapping and Shooting and all that stuff. And I know what a grind it is to do what you guys do so my hat's off to you and we appreciate it and know this what you're doing makes a difference you guys right now are reaching more people than we used to reach on giant cable networks right you keep it in perspective and it's like when you get to that point you just got to know what what we're saying and doing matters and uh you guys have done a good job of figuring that out so congratulations on that it's a hard road thank Thank you you. yes sir We really do. Uh, we appreciate that. Do you get down to the coast much anymore? You say you don't. You don't like to travel too much. I I don't blame you there. Are you ever in B- the Biloxi area? Oh, I, I, we love going down there. You know, I got four grandkids, and uh, for ever, that's the only place we ever went on vacation. That's all. If you live in North Mississippi, all you talk about is going to the coast. Come to the <laughs> beach, baby. Come to the I'm beach. Not to go to the beach, and I've been yeah. I've been down there a lot. Hadn't been down there lately. I'll cut down there once in a while when I'm going to Florida just to for the scenic view. Love the way it smells and all. As long as I stay off of them boats that's doing this, that's I'm, it. I'm good to go. So well, uh, if you if you're ever down here for any reason, you let us know and we'll uh we love to get together. Yeah. All right. On the next send me guy, send me another email and put your guy's cell phone in there. And yes, I'll sir. send mine back to y'all so we'll we can text. Yeah, sure. word. You got That'll something work. interesting going on for deer season or whatever. And, yes, sir. Uh, I'll have you guys on and make sure I end up with your cell phone. Okay. That'll, That'll work. work. You have a great evening and thank you for your time. Yes, Thanks, sir. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. All thank right. You. you have a good evening. Oh, yeah. That was killer. 100% yeah, that was killer. A, I, that's just a good guy. You can tell, man. That's yeah. uh, Mississippi proud. So. Uh, what do we got real quick before we wrap things up with everybody that's here? Uh, thanks for tuning in. We got, I didn't mention it at the beginning of the show cause I'm not smart. Uh, but we got, well, I did, but I didn't put the flyer up, I guess. Yeah. We got the Bay rat bash coming up. That's going to be April the 13th, uh, of this year, 2024. It's going to, I did say that it's going to be at Dewey do bugs. I didn't say the date. Dewey do bugs, uh, in Diabraville. We're looking forward to that. Uh, what Joey turn a how hard head catfish into a thousand dollars? I don't know. That's right. Where else can you do that? 
Yeah, where else can you do that? You don't even need a boat, man. You can fish nope. that off the pier, the bank, uh, pretty much, pretty much anything. Uh, you can get you can get a hardhead. So, five hundred dollars for second place, and then we got supplemental categories: black drum, croaker, white trout, and uh, maybe a spearfish division if the if the divers show up. But that's yep. that's a whole other thing. But uh, we're going to be talking way more about that. Uh, we got a we're going to do a live live like we did at Salt Pepper Oak. Is that right, Joey? At, yeah, uh, at Dewey Do Bugs with Larry. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking. We're looking forward to that. Uh, maybe set something up where people can come and and actually be in the audience for that one. Yeah, live. yeah, yeah. I'm sure you won't mind. Yeah. So uh, y'all stay on the lookout for that. We got some cool guests coming up. You know any of them off the top of your head? I like putting you on the spot like that when I know you have. Uh, I can look at the calendar. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we got some some cool. Yeah, Brett, you need to stop by there. It's, yeah, it's, uh, uh, we got some uh, yacht club stuff going on. Of course, yeah. we got Phil Wing Phil Wingo's coming the last month of February, so we're gonna do some barbecue there. Uh, we got a tuna trip in between there, so it's gonna be some good content coming out. Yeah, yeah, Phil, that's gonna be cool. Uh, that's uh, poor. I almost wore that hat this evening. Port too. Mafia. Yeah. Port Mafia. He sent us a truckload of uh, spices and man it's impressive so yeah i can't wait to have him that's gonna be in studio right he's here yeah he's, he's coming down here with tony yeah yeah we did a cooking video with him not uh not too long ago shit it's been probably two years or more now i'll say that yeah uh, i think uh, they want to do the same thing they might cook before and then we'll try it on the on the show okay yeah because that was uh whenever keg and barrel ocean springs had just hadn't even opened up yet we so. cooked the first thing on that on that oven was yeah what they cook. yeah yep yep so anyway we appreciate y'all tuning in and watching and uh we got a lot of cool things coming up so y'all just stick with us and we'll keep rolling later later thanks so much for checking out the show we really appreciate the support if you haven't downloaded the Brownwater banter app yet go do it it's free in the app store and on google play we have everything covered for an, a day out on the water we've got the tides the radar tails and scales app we've got a radio station right inside of it and it's all free all of our content is in there you can listen to the show directly inside of the app make sure you keep your notifications turned on so you can stay in touch with us as we go live with guests in the future and plan events if y'all keep tuning in we'll keep doing them we'll see you on the next one mm -hmm.